Well, I think it is fitting that we end our series on the Holy Spirit today on Pentecost Sunday. It's almost if somebody had planned it that way. Pentecost Sunday uh, may not be familiar to those of you who don't normally keep a uh, church calendar near you, uh, but Pentecost Sunday in the church liturgical calendar is a day that we are called to celebrate every year and to remember. The liturgical color for Pentecost is red, which is why we just threw out there, if you have red on today, wear red as we celebrate and remember the Spirit coming to the church on this day, on this Pentecost Sunday. Many of us are probably familiar with Easter, we're familiar with Christmas, we even get a little bit about Advent and maybe some about Lent, but boy, Pentecost, we just don't hear a whole bunch about that. Probably also because in our tradition, we're Calvinists and we like to think. And when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, you start to move. And so this is, hasn't been a part of our tradition but yet it is an important gift that God has given to the church because we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what we see here is that God has called us to remember Pentecost. Now, penta, uh, just by way of catching us up a little bit, penta means uh, 50. In Greek, penta is 50. And so in the modern church calendar, Pentecost would be 50 days after Easter. But, on the, but in the New Testament, with God's people, the Jewish people, it was not Pentecost. It was the festival of Shavuot. It was the festival of Shavuot. And Shavuot was a harvest festival. And they came together and celebrated the harvest. Why? Well, because everything comes from the very hand of God. God provides everything, so anytime there's an ingathering of anything, we come and we celebrate because we know that it's from the very hand of God. And so Shavuot is the second festival, harvest festival of, of the year. The first festival came earlier. It's the festival of first fruits, and it comes at the, at the beginning of the barley harvest. They would have the barley harvest, and they... Well, the barley group, that's right. We named all of our groups when we went to Israel, we named them after the uh, crops of the land. And so our barley group is feeling pretty proud right now because they were the first fruits. We had the first fruits, the barley harvest. And then what you would do is you would then take from the barley harvest, you would count off 50 days, penta, 50 days. And then you would celebrate Shavuot, which would be the early wheat harvest. It's also called the festival of weeks because you take seven times seven, the festival of weeks, you end up with the 50 days. And that's the early wheat harvest. Later on, there would be the later wheat harvest, etc., etc. So Shavuot is a harvest festival that came 50 days after the first fruit festival. And not only is it a, a, a festival, but it was one of the pilgrimage festivals. There were three pilgrimage festivals that all of Jewish men needed to attend. They had to go to Passover, 
They had to go to Shavuot, and they had to go to the Feast of what we call Tabernacles. Those were in a pilgrimage festival meant by law, all Jewish men had to make their way to Jerusalem. That's why our scripture reading tells us that there were Jews from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was packed with thousands of people during this festival. That's the festival that's being celebrated here in our word. And while I think it is true that most modern Christians can overlook this festival because we don't really live our lives by the the ground and what it produces anymore like the people in Israel did, I think we do have to pay attention to Pentecost. And the reason I say that is because our God is not accidental. Our God is purposeful. Our God is intentional. And when God gives us his revelation, he does it very precisely. And here, God chose on the Feast of Pentecost to bring his Holy Spirit, which had been promised by Jesus, into the world. And so I think it's important for us to connect those dots together because God's revealing something substantial to us. We have a feast, we have the giving of the Holy Spirit, and how do those two relate, and what does God have to say for us about that today? And I think, if I could just say it simply, I think it's all about a harvest. It was a harvest festival. And God is saying, I am sending my spirit upon you as a, as a church, as my people, as the called out ones to be about a harvest. This passage is all about a harvest and it goes to the mission of who we are as the church of Jesus Christ that we too are to be about and focused on a harvest. Obviously, the shift is that we no longer are concerned about harvesting grain. But the shift that takes place at Pentecost is that we are now consumed with harvesting souls of people. This has always been Jesus' heart and the change that he's made in his disciples' life and those who follow him. Remember the first disciples who followed him were fishermen. And he said, come on, follow me. But you're no longer going to be fishing for fish. You now are going to fish for men. And that's the focus that you have. And the same thing happens here is that the Spirit comes at this harvest time to tell us and to shift our focus to people. If you see in Acts 1-4, Jesus had told his church, he said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait in Jerusalem for me. Uh, I mean, sorry, wait in Jerusalem And do not leave because the Father is going to give you a gift. And when you get this gift, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in 1 verse 5. And when that Spirit comes, verse 8, 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he says the Holy Spirit is coming. And what is the Holy Spirit coming to do? To enable you, to give you power to be my witnesses, to go to the very ends of the earth and reach a harvest. And what we see here happening on this very first Pentecost, 
is that harvest. And this has been the very heart of God since the beginning. Wanting his church, wanting his people to reach others, to invite them in, to bring them into his kingdom, to know him who is a good, good father. That was his call to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to call you together to be a great nation. And you as a great nation are going to be blessed. Why? So that you can go out and be a blessing to others. That was always the heart of God. It's always about outreach. It's always about open arms. It's always about a harvest of people. And we see that here. And on this day of Pentecost, when people are bringing the first fruits of their grain offering, we see that God says, you know what? You can look here. See the first fruits coming from this new harvest that I'm giving to you as a church through the Holy Spirit. And look at the first fruits of this new harvest. 3,000 have been added to your number today. There's the first fruits of the harvest that we are to be engaged in as we harvest and we look to reaching other people. That's the heart of this passage today. And I think this theme is reinforced when we recognize that this passage here in Acts is a reversal of the Tower of Babel story in the Old Testament. There are two stories that are about languages. In the Old Testament, we get the Tower of Babel. In the New Testament, we get Pentecost. They're both about languages. Luke gives us a list of people from all across the, the earth, the Persians, the Medes, the Elamites, etc., etc. In Genesis, we get a list of people across the face of the earth speaking different languages. These are both stories about languages, one in the old, one in the new. And again, I think we need to make those connections to understand what God is trying to communicate. But only at the Tower of Babel, they came together with one language, united in one language, deciding that they were gonna build a tower not to bring glory to God, but to reach God and do it for their own glory, for their own selves. And so in that story, the Spirit of God descends, and what does he do to their language? He divides it, he changes their language, and in rebellion, they leave scattered to go across the face of the earth. But in the Acts story, the people from all nations come together in their variety of languages, and God descends, and he draws them together, and they're all able to understand the gospel and the good news. They each hear it in their own language. And then at that point, united together with the gospel to bring glory to the name of God, God scatters them across the earth in their own language, to point to him. It's all about the harvest. It's all about declaring the goodness of God. It's all about giving God the glory as our good, good father. And as you move through the book of Acts, oh my word, you see the church committed to this task, right? We got 3,000 that were added on this day and then we see that spirit change the lives of these early Christians. And what do they do? They continue to take the Holy Spirit. And the word there that we get for the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will give you power. 
That word for power is dunamis. And you may recognize that that's where we get the word dynamite from. Dynamite, an explosive power. You get an explosive power. God says, I'm going to fill you, my church, with an explosive power. I'm going to give you dunamis. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking, it'd be nice, we were talking about the Holy Spirit being a person. It'd be nice if he had a name. I think we'll just call him Dooney, all right? Dooney. Dooney comes and fills us and gives us the explosive power. And we see here in the early church that they were filled with this explosive power. And everywhere they went, they had one simple message. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is Savior and Lord. Repent in his name for the forgiveness of sins and believe in him. That was it. Often we think, I don't know, I can't share with anybody, I can't talk because I don't understand theology. Look what they said. They just said what happened. They gave witness to what happened, which is exactly what Jesus told them to do, and everything went explosive. If you look in Acts, just down the line in 247, I mean, here we have, they, it says God added to their numbers daily. This is just another couple sections away, a couple days away. Acts 4, their number has reached 5,000. Acts 542, they're still proclaiming. By Acts 1421, they're preaching and large numbers are becoming Disciples, do you see that it just keeps exploding? It just keeps growing. It's just going out. I mean, we, you know, that the movie Oppenheimer is coming out, which is starting to talk about uh, the atomic bomb, and we've all seen the pictures of the atomic bomb that it, it boom and then it just goes, and that's what we see happening here with the disciples. They start here in Jerusalem with the message. And they got that power, and they're taking Dooney with them, and they're going. And it goes out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the time we get to Acts 17.6, they're calling the disciples in. The wor- people are all worked up in the, in, in, in the translation uh, here that I have. It says, they're turning the world upside down. We got to do something about these people. They're turning the world upside down. People are coming to know Jesus Christ. And all our social structures are being changed. People are coming to know Jesus Christ. Our religious structures are being changed. They're coming to know Jesus Christ. Families are looking different. Everything is different. These disciples are proclaiming the name of Jesus and they're turning the world upside down. So let me ask us, hate to do it, what happened, right? What, what happened to that explosive power? According to LifeWay Research, in 2019 from their, their that's the most recent information we have, 4,500 churches closed. The reality is that the church is in decline, which is the one graph, and the number of churches that are closing is in the other graph. Where is the explosive power to that? What happened? What happened to the church? Why, when, did, when did we abandon this very call that we have and the very power and the very mission that we have and we just sort of settled in to be complacent and, and, and what we've turned 
our mission into is just gathering together on Sunday morning and sitting comfortably in our pews and patting each other on the back and saying, aren't we good Christians? At least we don't look like that sinful world. And we settle for that. And we become complacent. And we've stopped reaching. And we've stopped witnessing. And we've stopped declaring. And we just put that little doony off to the side. We, that little dynamite, it's just sitting right there. What has happened? we got to ask the question because when we look at what we are today compared to when God launched it, it looks like two different things. So we got to ask that question. And as I wrestled with this, I, I'm wondering if maybe it's because we let the enemy whisper into our ear. Because the last thing the enemy wants is the church, God's kingdom, to explode. He does not want the world turned upside down for God. And so he's going to do everything that he can to whisper into our ears and say, don't stand up and declare. Don't give witness to Jesus Christ because you know what? Nobody wants to hear it. You Christians, you're on the wrong side of history. Let people live their own truth, Christians. You don't have the truth. Nobody's going to listen to you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to put you down. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to lose friends. You just get over in the corner and just do your own thing privately because nobody wants to hear from you. Church. And we let the enemy whisper in our ear. And what I think we need to do instead, this may be a bold solution, is listen to the one we're following. And the one we're following is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gave himself the title, the Lord of the Harvest. And Jesus is the Lord of the Harvest, is the one that we should be following. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. And we ought to hear his voice because as the Lord of the harvest, he says to us, look, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And the word used there is, is poly, which again, it means lots, numerically, an abundance, overflowing. He says, look at the harvest. Well, that's in contrast to the enemy telling us Nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody's going to respond. Christianity is dead. Keep it to yourself. And the one we're following is saying, be my witnesses. I've given you my power. And look, the harvest is plentiful. And when we look also when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, we had that story. Was it last? I don't know. Two weeks ago? Three weeks? I don't remember. We've talked about the Samaritan woman. And right after that, she went out and became a witness to Jesus Christ just like that. She went to her, her town and began to tell her about Jesus and what did her whole, her whole town or everybody do? They started coming towards Jesus Christ. We want to see who this Jesus is. And as Jesus is sitting there with his disciples who are now back, he said to them, hey, pick your heads up, look, look. As all the town of Samaria was coming to him, look at him. He said, the field is white for the harvest. White for the harvest. 
Because normally, wheat is kind of gold and brown, but, it's, but when it's ripe, it turns white. And it looks white and white shiny and just saying, look at the field. As these people are coming saying, look at that white to the harvest. And some commentators even think that the, the folks in Samaria were agricultural workers and they were coming in the middle of the day where they would have been dressed in white, their work clothes. And so here comes this whole crowd walking in white towards them. And either way, Jesus is saying, put your head up, look. It's white for the harvest. There they are. And that's who Jesus is. He says the harvest is plentiful, and I think we need to believe Jesus that the harvest is plentiful and it's ripe for the harvest. And I think the story in Acts points to the truth of that. We gotta remember again. On this day, God gave the Holy Spirit, and Peter stood up. Peter stood up. Of all people who would stand up, Peter, the one who denied Jesus, the one who sank under the water, Peter, the one who lashed out impulsively and cut the ear off, Peter, the Peter that we often look at and kind of snicker at, Peter, the one who we wouldn't think would really be in tune with, with what Jesus wanted him to do, and there they are in this crowds of thousands, if not million, and they're all surrounded by all these people who are foreigners and don't speak their language, and they're laughing at them, thinking they're drunk. You got the environment? And Peter stands up. That's some chutzpah, isn't it? That's a good Jewish word, chutzpah. And Peter stands up because he knows he's not standing alone. He's got duny. He's got dunamis in him. He's got the power of the Holy Spirit, and Peter stands up in front of that crowd. And he says, people, let me explain this to you. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, as Peter explains it to him, 3,000 are added to their number that day, and God says, look, church, I am now sending you out to fulfill this mission that Jesus told you about, to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I'm sending you out to do that. And look, right here today in Jerusalem are the first fruits, 3,000. So if you're ever gonna stand up and you're ever gonna witness and you're ever gonna declare and you're wondering, should I, is this right? Say goodbye, enemy. I'm listening to the Lord of the harvest. I'm remembering the first fruits. Here's the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Because what did Jesus say? He said this promise is for you and for your children and for your descendants and for all who are far off. I think that's us. All who will call on the name of the Lord, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's a promise and the first fruit is right here, 3,000. So we need to listen to Jesus. And we need to remember that Pentecost is not a one-time event. It's not like the Battle of Gettysburg or it's not like the signing of the Magna Carta or, or, or something like that. Pentecost is here because the Spirit is alive and living and God tells us to remember this in our church calendar and our church rhythm because this is who we are. We are his church called out to be his witnesses, to grow the kingdom of God, to go out with explosive power, and to remember 
that Jesus continues to tell us the field is ripe for the harvest. You're walking down the sidewalk. I'm wondering, oh, is there anybody there who needs to hear the gospel? It's ripe for the harvest. I wander through my workplace. Is there anybody in my work? I I don't think anybody here wants to hear about Jesus. It's ripe for the harvest. I stand in line, admire in the people that are in line in front of me and behind me. It's ripe for the harvest on my sports team and my leisure. The people around me, it's ripe for the harvest. Why do I say that? Because Jesus told me that. And he's the one that I'm following. And then Jesus says, I've given you the power. Now stand up and be my witness. And you can expect a harvest. I think we need to recapture that, church. I think we need to recapture that that's who we are. And isn't that a lot more exciting to be part of that kind of movement than, than just sitting once a week and then going home trying to be good and then come back and going, oh, I didn't, well, I wasn't so good. And it, that mission that Jesus gave us is something we should be engaged in because he told us to. And we have that power within us. And and so what I want to just encourage you to do is one thing today. And Jesus says in John 9, 38, that's where he calls himself the Lord of the harvest. John 9, 38, Jesus says, I am the Lord of the harvest. And he says, ask, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. Some translations say ask, uh, others it really means pray, but I think they move to the words ask because the Greek word that's used here is different than when the disciples said to Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. This is a different word. This is the word, yep, you're praying, but you're praying with urgency. You're praying with conviction. You're begging, you're pleading, that's what Jesus says. Ask the Lord, of the, plead to the Lord of the harvest. Beg the Lord of the harvest, the fields are ripe. Beg the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. So do we wanna be obedient to Jesus? If Jesus was here today and asked you to do one thing, would you do it? I hope you would. Here's the thing that Jesus is asking you to do. Come before him, passionately plead, passionately beg with everything in your being say Jesus send a worker into your harvest and I want you to do that that's all I'm asking you to do to start praying that pray it today pray it tomorrow how long does that take Jesus send somebody send some workers into the harvest okay we knock that off in less than 10 seconds right Uh, and, and so can everybody do that you can do that and Jesus says ask that's what he asked us to do Because I think when you do that, what's going to happen is that little fuse of dynamite is going to get lit. Kind of reminds me of like the opening of Mission Impossible where you see that dynamite and you see the little fuse and it's going all along. I think that prayer lights that fuse. I think that prayer lights that fuse. And as you say that prayer, it will light the fuse of dunamis with inside of you. And then as you step out into the field, as you step out and you see the harvest around you, who will be the answer to the prayer? You. You will be the answer to the prayer. When you start praying, 
God, I pray that worker for workers to send out and you start looking with the eyes of Jesus, you start seeing the heart, you start knowing you have this power and it becomes, Jesus is gonna well that up inside of you and you're gonna say, yes, I will be one of those workers because the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and I'm gonna be one of those workers because really, I have no excuse not to. And that's what I, I love when I've had conversations with he who cannot be named, who is going uh, to a place that I cannot say to bring the gospel to people who have been unreached. When he heard that 2.8 billion people have never heard the gospel, you start praying that, right? Lord, send people to work. God, I pray for them at work. And then the response comes, why not you? Why don't you go? And what reason do we have not to? I don't have any other than my own comfort, other than my own this and my own that. And God's saying, I've given you everything. I've given you everything. Now go out into the harvest and be explosive and change that community for me. Turn that community upside down for me so that my kingdom can grow. That's who God has called us to be. And I hope we embrace that as Orchard Hill Church. Because one day, I, I meet people in Speedway, I meet them in Meyer, I meet them in Target, they go, where are you at? Oh, I'm pastor at Orchard Hill. Oh, you're that big green church on the hill. Oh, we used to play softball there. Oh, you have that preschool. But I'm looking for the day when they say, oh my goodness, you're the church that's turning the world upside down. That's who we need to be. God, here our hearts this morning. That's who we want to be, God. A church that is turning the world upside down. And we ask this morning that you just oh, would forgive us for our complacency. Forgive us for our ambivalence. Forgive us for settling, God, into this thing that we have kind of created called Christianity. We see that following Jesus is so much more. He calls us to lay down our life to, to take up our cross, to follow him, to give it all for him so that we can get this good news to the rest of the world so that they can be a part of your kingdom. And you're looking for your church, for your people to do it. And as the head of this church, we want to be obedient to you. So we pray in this day, God, that the Holy Spirit will come once again in a new way and fall upon this church and revive us with a passion for your mission that your spirit will revive and stir within us a heart for lost people. And God, that we would see the harvest and that we would have the boldness of Peter to stand up and declare your word. And then we're gonna trust you for the harvest. God, may you use this church to accomplish your purposes. Ignite us in this day and every day to be about your mission of bringing a harvest. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people.